0: I'm Dustin Zahn, and this is Trainwrecks. It's been a month since the last podcast. Uh, For those of you who are expecting one sooner, I apologize. I intended to release one every two weeks for July and August, but the fact is I've been too busy uh, traveling on the road. I did nine gigs on three continents last month, which was really awesome, but it left me with very little time. Uh, a lot of weeks, I was only around for maybe two days max, and uh, I just didn't get around to anything. Uh, overall, the past month of gigs has been the strongest run for me all year. I played a house set in Minneapolis, and that was on fire. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I did another weekend of gigs in Argentina with uh, two great crowds. It's always good times down there, and uh, they really like it trippy and dark and everything in between. Um, I played the deeper, smaller room of Stereo in Montreal called Stereo Bar. That was the the first time I played the smaller room, and that place was amazing. Uh, it's a really great booth, and uh, just the crowd is is fantastic. And I really love the vibe in there. Uh, I played for five hours. I uh, started at a hundred BPMs, and uh, I only made it up to like one hundred twenty-five beats per minute, in like. Four and a half hours. So it was really a, a much deeper set from me. Uh, Houston and Brooklyn. Uh, I get to Houston about once a year. And Brooklyn, you know, three, four times a year. They're always fun. And I can't wait to get back to either of them. Uh, L.A. I went to for the first time in four years. And it was proof that four years away was definitely far too long. Um, everything was there to be a good party. Uh, friends showed up. Cool little sound system, nice room. I gotta say it was quite possibly the hottest party I've ever played at in my life. Uh, but I lost like probably ten pounds of water weight, so there's a there's a positive to everything. Um I like being on the road, but fifty plus hours of airtime in one week was really pushing it. And uh for some reason I had a lot of delays and uh turbulent flights on the on all these trips. Those are things you can't really complain about, but I just find it kind of interesting because I've never had so much of it happen at that extreme amounts in such a short span. I don't know if this is a thing that's like common in the U.S. now or what, but uh, it's been a little intense. Um, One last thing about my, my travels and gigs in the past month, yesterday I was flying back from New York. And I went through the machine and the detector went off and they ended up wanting to, uh, they had to search my my junk, my crotchal region because of quote-unquote possible explosive materials. I thought that was pretty hilarious. And uh, the other part of it is, is you actually have to gyrate your hips because I don't, I'm assuming it's like if you have anything taped or wired up, you, if you shake it, maybe it'll shake loose. I don't know. So they... While they're checking your junk, they make you gyrate your hips in front of the security guards. Uh, so that was interesting. Anyway, I'm on a two-week break now. And uh, the focus is getting the podcast back on track. And I have a remix to finish up, along with some other stuff from my record label. So that's my plan. Uh, also coming up even further is, uh, I guess, three weeks away from now. Uh, for those of you who aren't aware that's happening in uh, Wisconsin. I'm playing there. There's also Terence Fixmer and Douglas McCarthy, Perk, uh Drum Cell, Ian Lehman, just a whole bunch of people. It's going to be fucking rad. Check it out. Uh it's worth traveling to if you can if you can swing it. Uh stay the whole time too. Who knows, maybe I'll bring the microphones along. After that, uh the week after, we have the first ever Enemy vs Arts label night at Bergheim. That's been uh, something we were working on for quite a while, and I'm really thankful that they're letting me do it. And uh, it took a while to get the right lineup, but it's finally coming in together, and uh, I really can't wait. It's also during a good weekend, too. There's Berlin Atonal, which is uh, a bit more on the experimental tip. I went there last year, and it was it's a great festival. So if you're feeling up for it, come on down to Berlin at the end of the month. And yes, the guest list is full. This week's guest is another old friend and someone I own more records from than just about any other producer. That's probably because he's probably released just about more than any other producer. His name is Patrick Skoog. Uh, About 18 years ago, Patrick started off in a very popular hard techno group called Headroom. And along with their debut album, Shades of Shape... They were regular contributors to the Planet Rhythm label when it was still owned and operated by Glenn Wilson. Um, Since then, Patrick had an extremely prolific solo career on a variety of different labels using a small handful of aliases. Um, If you're newer to the game and you came up around the Minimal era, you might know him more as Agaric. He released albums under that name on labels like uh, Josh Wink's Ovum Recordings and Patrick's own We Are Imprint. Um, I won't go into more details, or I'll just keep repeating what you're basically going to hear on the show, but he's got an interesting story, and as always, he's a cool dude, so uh, I hope you dig it. And again, sorry for the long delay. After August, I'll be back on a more regular schedule. I have a lot of really great artists that agreed to stop by, but let's see if they actually keep that promise. And uh, that's about it for now. Enjoy the show. All right, Patrick. Thanks for coming on the show.
1: Thank you for having me, Dustin.
0: Yeah. I'm very happy. Yeah, it's been a minute. Uh, we've known each other for quite a while. And even though we're living in the same town and run into each other one, once in a while, it's hard to get together and really chat. So. That's true. That's true. Huh. It's true. We're going to
1: turn it so I can face you a little bit more. Yeah. Awesome.
0: Your yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right, right about
1: that. It's definitely been... A long while since we met the first time.
0: Yeah. Life happens, though. We yeah. both had the ups and downs. So, <laughs> yeah. um, but anyway, for for those of you who don't know you, uh, I mean, you've been doing this. I know producing for almost twenty years. Have you been DJing as long or longer? Um, n- not sure. Not as
1: long. Definitely not. I remember when we. Um, got going with making records and stuff at first it was kind of daunting to do the whole concept of DJing yeah. everybody else kind of they were doing that and then you felt pressure oh my god I have to DJ as well but then you did that and it was now more it's fun. almost the opposite yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then the thing leveled out and now that's perhaps more fun <laughs> yeah mean, yeah but I mean both are the same kind of two sides of one coin of living and uh I mean I remembered actually that I remember today that you gave me a ring uh something like the year 2000 we talked on the phone
0: yeah that's right well (laughs) because you you did a remix for me and ian's label back in the day we'll get into all that i mean we've known each other like icq do you remember that program yeah totally yeah
1: (laughs) so man there's a long chat sessions on there
0: oh yeah and that was i mean i guess 15 16 years ago yeah it must have been and since then i mean you've had a pretty diverse career yeah all things considered in in techno yeah so i guess we'll kind of update people and go from the beginning um cool and then work our way up to now all right um as far as i know or understand like you kind of grew up with an industrial background right uh yeah i guess that's true I mean, I mean would be the bulk of high it? school yeah. and stuff like that. Like, yeah.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, we would be into industrial... American kind of industrial music and stuff. And,
0: uh, uh, any, like, names you want to mention? So like Funkline assembly,
1: like Canadian stuff, sure. things like that. You know, uh, Skinny puppy or, and what? Uh, uh, huh? Australian test department, stuff like that. But, but um, that may be... Uh, that perhaps was the thing that actually got us into... When I say we, I mean... Uh, you I and the Headroom my, guys, yeah, which we going I had this initial to. kind of band thing called Headroom. Mm-hmm. After a while, actually. First, we were making different stuff. Recording to like shitty cassettes and whatever. Like, dividing them between our friends and whatever. Uh, but now, we started this thing uh, called Headroom in 98, like, I think. That's my friend Niklas and
0: Hendrik. Yeah. My, my next question um, was actually... Uh, if you started your own stuff first or if Headroom came first? No,
1: I think we did a few Headroom records on uh, Planet Rhythm, something like that, and Swedish Loop records in Stockholm. And then um, maybe after a few records, uh, I wanted to do more. We did so much music back then. Yeah. That I just decided to I got do... I a lot a, of questions <laughs> about all that. I mean, I think we had a few records like every month, the first
0: couple totally. of years. Totally. I I even did some of the numbers on it because it was when I was like yeah. going back and looking up titles. It's incredible. But uh, the KFC record on Loop was, oh, yeah. was that was like the first headroom record, right? Yeah, that's the very and first. Is, is that true that that record single-handedly uh, bankrupted Loop? <laughs>
1: I think it might have yeah but but not um surprisingly, perhaps, because it 's definitely the worst record ever I ever made <laughs> but i mean uh, i I think that when you start making tracks you in your if you 're in that age too, I was about eighteen nineteen, you kind of send it around to everybody, and if you 're really into one label you you try to you know get this stuff onto cassette sure. or that, and you send them over to them, and we just had uh, Uh, kind of overwhelmingly positive (laughs) reactions from people and they wanted Mm -hmm. to put stuff out. And I remember after that, pretty terrible record. Um, Joachim at Loop wanted to make uh, like a doubled record from uh, leftover tracks that we had at that time. So I'm pretty happy that he didn't have time to do that. Uh But they might have made other records after us. I'm not sure about that. But I think they were kind of used to selling a lot at that time. You know, at that time techno records doing really well because it yeah. wouldn't be an alternative medium. So you would sell kind of a lot of it. And, you yeah. have, like now you have people that aren't DJs that would buy stuff still, you mm-hmm. know, people being interested in this kind of scene, going to record shops, buying things. Those people have kind of translated into, you know, people downloading and listening online now, but they would go and buy records at the record shop. And yeah, we kind of blew it. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think we sold that much. <laughs> I mean, like
0: I, I mentioned on the last episode, my first record sold a thousand copies and that was considered a flop. Whereas these days that would be, uh, not bad for not a small bad, old, no. you know, that would be good. But, um, I mean, basically the first part of the early years was definitely mm-hmm. a, a focus on headroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of, we were talking about on Facebook the other day. One yeah. of the classic albums was Shades of Shape <laughs> on Planet Rhythm, right? Um, I mean, a lot of people still really love that. I was telling, I played that a bit sometimes as well, and wow. uh, now you played now. Well, oh, that actually yeah. track that I was talking oh, about, right. like it actually works wow. really well pitched down because it's, it's heavy, but it's very stripped down. Ah, cool. You know what I mean? That's good to hear because some of that stuff is obviously it's pretty high energy and it just doesn't really translate to today, mm. but. Um, I noticed
1: some things now lately. I, I play quite a lot of nineties techno now actually because uh but when when you start incorporating in more and more of that kind of stuff into your set it, I mean obviously it works better the only thing you're missing is a little bit of this kind of extreme highs in the, in the
0: yeah kind of well, some yeah. of those records didn't have so much bass either yeah. fidelity was not <laughs> really no I yeah. mean like I remember at the time like uh for those of you who don't d j there's people who do the mastering and cutting to the vinyl and uh in that period it was nils this little indian guy that did it at the exchange Uh and like that was uh at least you know for people that was a big deal to have him do the mastering and cutting yeah and like at the time you're like this guy's doing the best shit but when you listen to it now you're just like man these cuts were terrible i mean
1: you know the, the equipment was the same it's just a preference that is different And uh, I mean, Hmm. overall kind of volume um, standards and uh, and, uh, what's the word, um, what people anticipate that things should sound like now,
0: it's just way louder. Well, the fidelity is is better for a number of reasons. Pretty much the computer. Yeah. I mean, if you just get a copy of Ableton or Reason, the mastering presets that come with that are vastly superior than most of what most producers could afford during the time that you started and I started. Right,
1: right. And I mean, the, 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 the desk that we were using, for example, we went through a whole array of different mixers, but they wouldn't be good, you know. Yeah, I mean that's just the case. <laughs> we, we had like three sets of this Behringer uh, Euro rack, like twenty-four channels. Like sounded terrible, but it's kind of cheap, you know, because when you have to buy everything and set up your studio from scratch with hardware when you're, you know, twenty years old, you kind of have to save cut, cut some corners somewhere. Of course, yeah. You know, I mean. So that's what happens, and yeah, then you know. But from a mastering stand, I think they had more to deal with than you yeah, yeah. <laughs> know quality standpoint Maybe. no i i hear you yeah.
0: and um, but i mean that also that's kind of what made some of the records have their charm like i know a lot of the swedish guys used to use the boss bx is it 8 and 16 or something uh-huh. like that right, yeah. uh and i actually have one of those i for my for my tra because it just gives it that instant crunch mm. um but i mean it's really a shitty mixer it's like instant ear fatigue but it can give you a cool sound yeah and, um so yeah i mean that's where the character can come out of but but staying, you know, we'll kind of sum up the headroom period first and foremost because mm-hmm. it, it ended quite a while ago already. Oh, uh, yeah. Exactly. Um. But, um. you know, I can imagine that with three people, especially three guys in their early 20s, the logistics for that were quite of a pain in the ass <sighs> as far as, like, getting around and stuff.
1: Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. we would share... Um... Studio for a long time at one of our uh, parents' kind of out, uh, what it, like a sh- shed, garage kind of thing, and that would be cool because we would all be able to go over there and work, mm-hmm. and um, you know you had more spare time then than you have now actually, but initially those first years we would just make so many records, you know, and then after that we'd move into move into different flats, have different lives, you know, increasingly so. Yeah, yeah, I don't think we've done a record together probably since 2004 yeah. yeah something like
0: that and like also Slobodan was also closely related to you guys as well completely it's Nicholas' yeah, brother yeah
1: and he's one of my really good friends now and uh, funny enough i uh, brought Niklas and Stefan over
0: that's what yeah. i wanted to ask about
1: oh yeah uh, I'm, i've been doing a party here in uh, in Berlin for about a year and a half. And uh, for one of the last ones now, I don't do it anymore. I um, invited Niklas and Stefan over to play. And we did a, like a back-to-back set, uh, played.
0: It was Bill as mm-hmm. Headroom, right? In yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How did that go? It went really well, man. It's and like, were, were you playing like all the old stuff or did you kind of find just more newer stuff well, that fit I the... I played
1: a little bit of new stuff and then Niklas and Staffan would collect their uh, favorite records from like, you know, the big wall of records over at the news mm-hmm. studio that, that they're using they work on music now too it's a little bit different than before of course but,
0: but band oriented right
1: uh, not really uh, they do like a kind of all analog like weird dark disco thing okay and uh yeah i like it a lot and some electro stuff like that
0: mm. okay and yeah. uh it went well the people responded because a lot of kids have no clue what any of that had with oh yeah i've
1: noticed just when you bring you know certain other people that uh are not currently performing that much anymore yeah. and uh you know not to get into specifics like but but when you have something that maybe you and me would really uh go consider being <laughs> go nuts about even you know more than let's say a short period of time like five years yeah it, maybe necessarily don't know so much about it anymore.
0: Totally, I, I would even argue something. it's like two or three years at this point Maybe yeah. for some kids. Yeah, the newer the better, yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, it was interesting to be a booker for a year and a half there to kind of tailor to all kind of different communities what they want you know, try to get something cool for everybody. It was cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, in a techno concept how many people I booked no what kind of what kind of names uh, everything from kind of uh dem dyke stare type of stuff uh, we had Vi do his live set we had uh current techno guys i like binny we had even we had haiku Laux, some old cats like that it was cool uh i did the last one in june mm-hmm. and uh now we're doing a little bit of a break yeah okay yeah I don't know. I might pick it up again in the future, but uh, so we'll
0: see how it goes. The headroom party wasn't the last one, then. No,
1: it was maybe. Yeah, it was quite recently. Yeah. like three
0: months ago. One thing I wanted to ask about before uh, we wrap up the headroom part of it mm-hmm. is the American tour. Oh, <laughs> you guys did a tour. What was it? Two thousand, two thousand one, something like that. Yeah. At that time, um,
1: mm. yeah. Wait, I mean, we, right we we did we did
0: a couple of them
1: together what was the long one we we, Where- we went one the first time in um in 2000 and we played two shows only to 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 pay for the whole thing we we played in uh wait we we played in austin and then we played up in uh in yeah we played in um in not in minneapolis we played in indianapolis 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 and austin so random and then we went back for a longer tour uh six months after slobodan came as well, Stafan, mm-hmm. and we did uh, we had like i don 't know twenty five gigs on schedule. Yeah. We ended up doing maybe ten of them yeah it we was stayed like for two both months both in good Chicago and <laughs> bad reasons <laughs> oh, but yeah. i mean
0: how like how was the Chicago time like I know that you were brilliant man, so good <laughs> <laughs>
1: I mean everything went wrong, and we ended up staying in Chicago maybe two months or something, yeah, so we made a lot of good friends and uh, uh, yeah hanging out with really nice people
0: do you remember like which parties kind of went off or there's like this, uh, any good stories where he got really fucked over <laughs>
1: <laughs> well i mean i there there was a few parties where just this kind of common thing would happen where the cops maybe would come and shut you down yeah. just as we're arriving and stuff like that and uh, nobody could really be at fault for that but then, uh, yeah, certain people involved doing. It, I can't really remember because it's like fifteen years ago. But yeah, it didn't go very well. But but the gigs that we did have were really good. And then I, I've been going back after that um, till well, I haven't been there now for like three or four years. Mm-hmm. But it's cool. Like since then, I had a pretty good return ratio. Nice. Yeah. But um, yeah, some really nice parties there, and a good time in Chicago. There right. was a, a club called uh, at the time called uh, Red Number no Five. I think Red No Five. Yeah,
0: that's the club name. Yeah, you been there? Uh, actually, I was too young to get in at that point, but I'm all I'm oh, well aware of it. Oh yeah, they had
1: but, really good stuff the whole time. I don't know. Adam, like, those you guys into, would go there and play like yeah. pretty much every week. We would go down like. <laughs> representing chicago from a mm.
0: swedish <laughs> running in, weren't you running into like andre marant and tim Xavier oh and yeah and... yeah 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 totally andre yeah. jack mackerel that's right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh is it true that you guys had to do a remix to pay for a phone bill or something like
1: oh, that? Oh, that might be true as well.
0: <laughs> <laughs> See, that's the thing. Like oh you god. know, Skype didn't exist back then. So no, we would long distance call, phone oh, calls shit. were.
1: Yeah, shit, man. We would just call people, <laughs>
0: <laughs> just <laughs> racking up some mom's yeah. phone bill and. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. I forgot about that
1: <laughs> I'm very sorry about that <laughs> <laughs> yeah but that's what you know being
0: in your 20s is about screwing yeah, around the totally. shit so <clears throat> I guess would you say that I mean it's it's safe to say that the headroom period is long gone there's no yeah I guess so there uh, any unreleased shit that might pop up someday yeah, there's
1: definitely no unreleased shit popping up but uh, I think that it might very well happen that um, that we're gonna get together when I go to the Malmo studio in Sweden okay. To see what happens. Uh, see what happens. And we've been doing some other kind of stuff. We never really got into the whole doing techno again. Mm-hmm. Uh, together, I mean. But I think that might very well happen. And I know Nicholas just built one of these uh, Ava 909 kits. Okay. So we might have some fun with that. I don't even
0: know. <laughs> so, um, I mean, at the same time, you know, all this headroom stuff we're talking about, at this point, it's like basically 2000 to 2003 yeah, I remember remixing period. you guys That's right you, yeah. you um, Ian Exactly you were yeah. you're starting your own very prolific uh solo career at the time Yeah and uh you know we were we loved the, uh, the headroom stuff obviously but like you were making so much awesome shit and we just had to have you on board It's a so nice of you to say it, bro Yeah well but I mean uh the thing is is I, I counted up you did over 37 records in under three years just on your own name. <laughs> oh, wow. So if you can't have some pretty awesome records out of 37, uh, yeah. you shouldn't be in business, right? Yeah, <laughs> I guess so. But, I mean, uh, I bought probably 30 of them. Really? I'm guessing. Yeah. Wow. I mean, yeah, I bought a lot of your records too, man. Good stuff. Well, I only had like three out at the time.
1: So. <laughs> but, yeah. The attack people stuff, that was good.
0: Yeah. But, um,
1: but then, I mean, there, there, there's a point to that whole thing uh, – uh, i mean I, I really i thought about it yeah right? I, I wish i mean I, I talked about that many times i wish that somebody would just kind of push you into not releasing and every single thing that you do because um, there are some other people around in the music game that just have a kind of impeccable flawless kind of register of tracks yeah those are other people yeah
0: <laughs> they're really talented but you know yeah. what? I don't think everybody has a flawless record. No, no. But I, I mean, mean like, it's just, uh, you think yeah. of people like, I mean, for example, when it comes to techno, everybody talks. They bring up Jeff Mills first and foremost. Yeah, legendary dude for mm-hmm. all valid reasons. Yeah, but I mean, he's got he's got an album every five months. It seems like, and I can't remember most of them. But then again, there's some shit that makes him otherworldly, and you know, uh, he has some instant classics that. Yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, I don't think he has to produce any classics anymore because it's no. f- really fantastic music to listen to. And uh you know, it's just a kind of different different brand of uh different style of things. And, uh, I think what 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 you and me have been doing maybe for the more part of our career when it comes to techno has been aimed it's kind of directly tailored. at the, at the at the dance floor and DJs. Yeah. And then it's kind of um it's a bit more difficult, actually, because then, then you have this feeling um, that you're not going to put out the most insane tracks that you do in the kind of same setting of, uh, or the same group and uh, infrastructure of labels that you normally sure. do. Then you would go and do, you know, 15 other names or aliases that, that I'm sure we all did. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's, you know, what you got to do.
0: Yeah, and I'm well I mean like actually Kevin Ambivalent really put it well. Mm-hmm. You know, he comes from an art background and whatnot and he's like a lot of people kind of confuse terms these days. You have like you know everybody refers to them as an artist or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um but the other part of it is is like a lot of people actually aren't technically artists, they're more designers. And that's because a designer is someone that you know creates something for a direct purpose. Mm-hmm. And honestly, that's what most dance music is. Like
1: well, yeah, but it wouldn't define the whole person. I agree to sure. it in the kind of context of what they do on that record. And I totally agree, of but it doesn't define the person being an artist or not. But, oh, but I agree that, that side of what they do uh, when it comes to that persona that the record is a record mm-hmm. is a specific persona that you do for that purpose. You know, then, then I agree. totally
0: I agree. But I mean, like I'm not. And, like, I I consider myself an artist and an artistic person. But, like, if I'm going to make a peak time record, which <laughs> I had one come out last week. It's called Excuse Disorder. Pick All it up. Right. <laughs> uh, that was geared for the dance floor. There was no, like, let's get uh, scientific about it or theoretical. It was yeah. just, like, it's, mm-hmm. it's just going to be hammering for the kids. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, at that time, I would say – ninety eight percent of the tracks you were putting out, mm-hmm. if if not almost all of them, were just like let's bang the shit out of it, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And um but I some people look at that as a bad thing. I don't. I mean it was perfectly fitting the context for the time and Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well you know yeah it's funny when you don't really work with uh, other things and music, it, it's not difficult to get that kind of output because that's really only a, like a third of my total output because I would have oh, I other things going on as well. That was just... It's not difficult. Like, when you look at stuff retroactively and you look, oh, that was a lot of releases in one period. But uh, yeah, I mean, it might seem like that, but in reality it isn't because you sit sure. every week and you work on tracks and you just try to be a little bit... Uh, yeah. I don't know. That. I'm lost in English words. Yeah. But when you try to be a little bit um, ambitious to get stuff out on a specific time and you really spend every weekday on doing that, you know,
0: you get a lot of like Well, that's just content. it. The, the next thing I was going to ask you, because <clears throat> I was just talking about a three-year period where you did 37 oh, yeah. records. I mean, you need a lot more besides that. I guess so. And, uh, and that was just on your own name. There's various other projects. But, like, mm-hmm. how do you pull that off where mm-hmm. you can put out, that many that's like a record a month like you were saying Mm. oh yeah i guess if not more i mean
1: i mean if you look at it 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 takes what like as many days as you have tracks on a techno record to make it
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah if you're a badass which you are but i mean like you know i could sit here and write a track a day for five days and take the weekend off yeah but are all five of them gonna be worth putting out no i mean i'm right now i'm sitting on probably 30-35 30-35 tracks and uh, I, I think four of them will make the cut
1: okay but I mean I totally see what you're saying and I, I think that that's uh, just a, a different concept, uh, perception of, of what's going on like that's the way you look at it the way I look at it I think that what you just said would be more difficult for me because I would never go back and finish anything and I wouldn't be able to determine if I actually like it or not. So if I don't finish something from a, I mean, it doesn't have to be like one session or something. I wouldn't go in like nine o'clock on Tuesday morning and I come out with a finished like, track
0: mm-hmm. yeah.
1: or a project, at, you know, 11 at night. That wouldn't really happen. But I would make pretty sure that if, if it's not cool enough to kind of finish in the next day or two, I would just click delete on it. You know what I mean?
0: So, but you were still doing the computer at that point. Because with gear, it makes sense. It's like you got to clear the desk yeah, so you can start something new or delete the samples. Yeah. But if you are it on the computer, you're still not really saving a bunch of projects.
1: Yeah. What I do a lot now, which is way easier than that kind of middle period of working in the box from maybe like 2004 to 2010 or something, I would work completely on the computer.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, uh, I don't know if I like much of that music in that period because it, it just has a very static kind of format to it. And arrangement wise, you would just kind of copy parts up and they wouldn't have any kind of individual moving going on. Mm-hmm. But now, uh, kind of back to the original way of doing things, is to just record so many passes of things and just jam out for like 20 minutes on something and then the next day you could go and kind of, oh, that part's really cool at the end. I'll get rid of those kind of 27 minutes of crap. Yeah. And then you, you know, condense that into a really good track. And when you spend too much time on a techno track anyway, because now we're talking just in the context of techno tracks. Yeah. When you spend too much time on them, you kind of forget what the initial purpose was yeah yeah. like whatever vibe you had going with this initial sequence that you did you forget what that was all about yeah and then you go for like the strings
0: or the pads and stuff yeah yeah, of (laughs) course so
1: so you have to be kind of fast just to keep it simple
0: yeah i mean like um in in my opinion i mean i agree i mean a lot of people you talk to um will say that like oh yeah that track i ended up actually making and three hours or something, Mm. you know, uh, a a lot of my friends are like that, like radio slave. He doesn't spend much time on it. And you know, he's got plenty of hits again, Jeff Mills. He's a guy that just cranks him out. He he says, he's like, I don't, but you know, these are people that go with the feeling immediately and just get the idea out as quick as possible. Yeah. And that's what I do a lot these days too, is like, I'll kind of make sure before I close the laptop down for the day or the gear, whatever, like, okay, I got the basic idea and the feeling down and then i can come back and edit it later otherwise you're screwed yeah and um but i mean there's things to be said like sometimes i think you should try and finish up a track as soon as possible so it's done and that's what it is Mm mm-hmm but then I've had times where I'm like, this is going to be a great track someday. And then I sit on it for a while <laughs> yeah. and I come back and it's an okay track. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> but- I, I've done that too. I, I know what you mean. But I mean, when I would go back to something like, maybe now I have a few projects that are from uh, maybe, you know, like three, four months ago or something mm-hmm. or longer, like a year ago, if I would open up that whole project of recorded stuff, it just, it, for the more part, it wouldn't make any sense to me what I'm listening to. And on top of it, I would be super critical about what i'm hearing like sound wise because mm-hmm. I feel like what we all have to do is continuously kind of up our game, and we do because our ears get more used to what what you hear like a, you, you know you feed yourself with these kind of similar sounds on a daily basis, and you get more and more refined in what you hear, yeah, and then, without even Thinking about it, you know, your stuff from six months before, is going to sound pretty crappy. Yeah. Yeah, And uh, for me, for me. And and then I wouldn't really feel that, um, you know, ambition to go back to it. Sure. Mm
0: -hmm. I mean, I guess for me, sometimes the ideas that I get in my head are, um, I know what I want to do, but I don't have the production skill set. Like, I'm not classically trained. And a lot of the stuff that I like to do is a bit more musical. So, or like melodic so i i know that like my ideas are further ahead than my skill set so i need to like learn how to do this before i can actually make it a reality
1: well yeah, but you but you think about stuff like that uh, i mean i think you, uh, you're perfectly fine like production skills I, I think you just maybe have to do things that you don't normally do maybe yeah and, and mean, then it's it, there's a, such a good way to get um uh a hand on things in general like uh to work on tracks that are not at all what you want to do you know like i mean you sit on making some completely crappy edm or something i would never do that or uh (laughs) you know work on some other completely different kind of beats or recording a guitar or whatever then you hear stuff from a different kind of point of view and you get better at mixing
0: i mean that's another part of it i tell a lot of people doesn't matter what genre you're in like the best thing you can do for your music is to listen to music from other genres. Yeah, totally. Get influences and ideas mm-hmm. or maybe even find a sample in there or something, you know? Because yeah. I feel like when you... Like, if you're a guy that... If you're a house guy that only listens to house or drum drum bass guy that only listens to drum bass or techno, techno, like, it, it becomes a little bit incestuous and you kind of... Yeah. You know, it's it's kind of obvious. Mm-hmm. Whereas, um, you know, for example, you take, like, let's say, LeVon Vincent, for example. Mm-hmm. He makes techno music more or less, but I mean, mm-hmm. it seems like the guy doesn't listen to any techno at all. He's got know. a lot of different influences in that yeah. you could hear that in his music a bit. Yeah,
1: know? it's a good example. I, I went uh, with my girlfriend to, uh, to Berghain and saw his TJ um, set by accident. Mm-hmm. And um, it was super impressive just out of the fact that he played stuff that we totally wouldn't anticipate from him. Sure, You know, like a pretty banging techno set with Uh, all of these kind of classic things that I would normally like, but I would never expect it from him, you know. So it kind of proves that he's open-minded. You know, it proves wherever he gets a lot of influence in his production, in his, you know, general liking of all so many different genres. It's important. Yeah, totally. You're
0: right. And so, yeah, if you're listening out there, keep, you know, go through... I don't know if we have record collections these days, but go through your iPhone or Apple music or Spotify yeah. or whatever. Um, but getting back more towards you, um, the first label that you started was called native diffusion. Yeah. That started, uh, what 2000, 2001.
1: Uh, maybe? yeah, I, th- I think it, uh, yeah, around then, um, I don't know, anywhere from 99 to 2001. And, uh, uh this guy that works at Handle with Care now, LFHLL 11 yeah. Elf. What did? up? <laughs> how are you doing, man? He helped me to start this label uh, via Intergroup and um, I never did a label before and um, everything from doing the you know the artwork to um the way that the master has to be uh, delivered or the premasters. He kind of showed me ropes of everything and mm-hmm. we did that label for a number of years. I didn't know that I, he... I, 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 yeah, he used to work at Intergroup. And um, maybe I stopped at number 20 or something
0: like that. Yeah, I think. like kind of towards the minimal period, which I'm getting towards. It's yeah. interesting, though, like because uh, you did a remix for me on Abiotic with, uh, with the track from Ian, who you oh, ended yeah. up working with a lot in the later years. Mm-hmm. Um, but you also did a remix for this label called Boss Recordings out of Minneapolis right? with Justin... And he t- told me this story last night when I said I was going to be talking to you, and he said that he found the first uh, Native One um, in a puddle of mud <laughs> outside the tent at uh, the even further party where Mark E.G. was playing. Oh, wow. And, you know, Mark, If for those who don't know, Mark's this guy that, like... Maybe he ate it. He, he like, breaks records. He <laughs> eats them. He smashes turntables over his head, all that kind of crazy shit. And he just threw the record in the mud. Uh, Justin quickly <laughs> grabbed it and... Uh, I don't know, but the next day Zach, who is devious one, was oh, there. Yeah, yeah. He he got all the mud off the label and he's like, Oh yeah, you'll probably like this. And so Justin kept it, took it <laughs> home, and then he like fell in love with techno. And he's oh. like so that was like his that's what convinced him to make techno. And he's <laughs> he's gonna be playing there in uh at the the 20-year reunion in august and he's like he said he's gonna play that record wow
1: cool <laughs> so wow little story there cool i have to send him some updates with other things that happened after that cool guy Justin. i i forgot about that completely that's cool yeah and so, mark yeah crazy guy
0: yeah i don't know what mark's up to yeah. these days but he's definitely a
1: playing some kind of um completely mental like a super fast trans techno stuff. Is he? Yeah, I don't I think know. so. Maybe he did at that time too.
0: <laughs> Mark, if you're out there, write us a message, say what's up. <laughs> but, um, you know, getting towards that next chapter Tell of your life. What you do now. Yeah, what's going on, Mark? <laughs> um, you know, around 2004 or 5, you're starting to do more stuff for like drum code and things like that. A bit yeah. More, let's say big room or whatever techno yeah. direction was going that yeah. time. Yeah. And yeah, uh, I think we're all starting to reach a little bit of a saturation point, right? Yeah,
1: that's for sure. I mean, I, I don't really remember what year I did the drum code, but I, I ended up doing two of them and then uh, one or a couple of remixes for uh, for Adam. And uh, that was a good time. Then uh, after that, I think, I I don't know if it's maybe like a little bit earlier than 2004. Cause I remember 2004, 2005. Yeah,
0: I think it was around those two years, oh, okay. somewhere on there.
1: Okay. I, I ended up doing a lot of remixes for other people and stuff, and, and the gigs started turning a little bit differently. Yeah. Uh, there, was, there would be a lot of this kind of chance thing going on that kind of came around the early 2000s and progressively got worse and worse. It was a
0: weird time for techno. Yeah, kind
1: of weird time actually, and and it kind of drifted aside everything. Like uh, people would lose interest in this, um, what I consider to be, you know, classic good techno, and you wouldn't hear like this kind of, you know, if you would play like
0: not like cool DJ hyperactive or whatever,
1: you know, missile records and and sine wave and stuff like that, they would complain that you can day I said day. But if you had a gig like in uh, Spain, they would they would consider that stuff to be tech house, yeah. And they would play this kind of um, 150 records that are not the advent, but yeah. much worse. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, su- succeedingly, you kind of lost the interest a little bit. And then uh, at one point, uh, I, I think maybe, yeah, 2005, I I went to uh, to Fabric. And I saw, uh, yeah, whatever minimal minimal night they had there. And I thought it was super cool. Yeah. And, and then this long, dark period
0: of real crap began. Well, that's the thing because <laughs> this is the start of the Agaric uh, era. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it's funny because when you first started doing that kind of stuff, I was talking to you, and you said, like, I hate all this shit that I did before, like all the Patrick Scoot records headroom. You're like, I. That techno, I'm so embarrassed with that, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, this is where it's at. This is the minimal stuff. (laughs) And it's funny to hear you say now, like, I can't believe I did that. Well, I mean,
1: what I said before about six months, you have to amplify that by a number of years. (laughs) Fair enough. But but I I think that, um, um, yeah, things can get saturated. But another thing is that when you get older, you tend to go back to listen to your favorite kind of uh, music that you liked in the, in the age of kind of 21. That's what I had written down right here. Oh, yeah, you can go really? back to your roots. Oh, yeah. You know? I mean, that's a scientific fact, too. You know, you, you just kind of whatever shaped your whole view, whatever shaped my whole view of different genres and music, I, I think there would be predominantly three things like Krautrock from Germany, England. And uh, you know American industrial and uh, this kind of mid '90s, early 2000s techno, mm-hmm. and uh, then you have your kind of different periods where you would listen to other stuff. You get tired of something for a period, like, yeah, that's good. You develop from a music making standpoint. You develop some new ideas. You 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 do some things like we mentioned before. You didn't do it before, you know. You,
0: yeah, it's good. Well, that's the thing though. Like a lot, especially these days with producers. Uh, and everything moving so quickly they're really quick to jump on the bandwagon or whatever change things up and i mean i don't necessarily blame them and it's always i think it's good and healthy to kind of change it up a little bit you know what i'm saying but at yeah. the same time um you know a lot of the times people will kind of do that thing where they just say everything else that they did before that was mm-hmm. shit and then years later they're coming back like the The last few years have been crazy like that for the nineties. You're talking like AFx, Twin, Orbital, all these big acts back then. Yeah, yeah. Or even like you know the Happy Mondays or whatever to some degree. Mm -hmm. That kind of stuff. Uh, they disappeared and then they came back. Like I don't know if I mean it's the nineties revival. I don't know if it's a midlife crisis or just the timing was right. But it seems like everybody is back now.
1: Yeah, maybe. But that's pretty cool as well. Yeah, but it's it's all the roots. Ministry in a couple of weeks. How crazy is that? Yeah. you know, I'm surprised it's alive. <laughs> <laughs> Have you? Did you read the book? Uh, the book? Oh, uh, I, well, I mean, the, the far-awaited documentary. Like, I never saw it.
0: Um, well, I, I'm not talking about the movie, but uh, there's a book out. I actually just, uh, I forgot about it. And then I just took a picture of it at somebody's house the other day. And I, because I was like, I need to get that. Um Yeah. This one right here, the 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 lost gospels according to Eldridge.
1: Oh, I have to read it. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. All right.
0: I don't know if it's any good, but if you're a ministry <laughs> fan, that book does exist. So
1: <laughs> I wonder who wrote it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah.
0: Who's the ghostwriter there? No.
1: But um, I mean, yeah, it's a good time for uh, catching uh, these kind of you know old legends because they're all back, mm-hmm. you know, and that's um, uh, it's cool, um. But yeah, yeah.
0: At that period, though, you, you basically you just switched it up, like a lot of us did. I mm-hmm. think you know we just kind of hit this point where it wasn't going anywhere, and it just the bottom yeah. end fell out, and it all became minimal. Yeah. Um. You started We Are, which is is I assume done now. It hasn't yeah. done anything for a while. No, I haven't done that. You d- You did a lot with uh, my old production partner Ian mm-hmm. Lehman as yep, Idolon yeah. and stuff, and
1: yeah, I like um, Ian stuff now too. Really good.
0: Yeah, he's doing it as Doubt for those who doubt, yeah. are wondering. Don't. Um but I mean like you know, it's obvious as, as you say that you're not so big on that period of life. Yeah. But this but-
1: I, I still do um, um, some tracks and records and remixes under the agaric name and that's become kind of like my dance music outlet for
0: stuff that isn't techno. Okay, um, maybe it's tech house, maybe it's, you know, whatever.
1: Now, I I, I do a lot of music that would be, like, really spaced out, kind of uh, a lot of synths, a lot of strings, and uh, kind of Detroit-influenced kind of uh, techno, but house, you know. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to explain it, but, you know, kind of... Like a Motor spaced City, out psychedelic, Vermont, yeah, sample, you know, thing. yeah. I mean, I like that stuff a lot, and I would do that. I would put that out under that name, and uh, that can evolve like anything else. So I don't really worry about it that much. But the, the kind of period of starting up that project, maybe it wasn't like my most shiny moment that I could look back at. But but yeah, I'm glad I did it, and I meet some people now and again that uh, that had uh, took influence from that and that liked it a lot, and then I'm, I'm happy to hear that. You know, no regrets. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but
0: you know, during that time, you, I mean, you kind of, I don't want to say you were the first, because you were in that like kind of uh, mid uh, 2000s group of people who moved to Berlin. Yeah. You said goodbye, Sweden, and you came here, and that was when the whole minimal thing was kicking off. Yeah, and of course, complete, it's quite different, uh, partying down and whatnot. Is, yeah. I mean, was that, uh, looking back at it now, how do you look yeah. at that time? Was it something that was great, or were you just like. No, uh, I mean, I really liked it. I went to a lot of parties every week. and
1: uh, The thing that surprised me at that time about moving to Berlin is that, um, you know, the, the good minimal that everybody appreciated would be, you know, Kind of hard wax records and uh, To Be Us and stuff like that, Villa Lobos, whatever you know. Yeah. Uh, to Be and stuff like that, and and that would be nowhere. You wouldn't even hear it anywhere. They would only play, uh, you know, let's leave, leave it unsaid what they would yeah, play, but it wouldn't shit. be very good. Yeah, and that would be kind of surprising.
0: But that happens now. Yeah, that <laughs>
1: happens now. But but you can find more. Uh, good music in the nightlife in Berlin in 2016 than you could in 2006. I believe and that. I mean I, I mean... I still believe that there would be a bigger scene. Uh, there should be a bigger scene when it comes to the whole uh, industrial body music and stuff like that. Because this is, after all, Berlin. But it's yeah. kind of surprising, you know. Well, I mean, yeah, the and industrial scene...
0: Yeah, the concert scene, scene yeah, is kind of weird as well. It is. I'd I like to say I think it's – this year it, I actually saw some stuff recently. And it's getting a little better, but maybe on the bigger band front, maybe not mm-hmm. on the smaller band so much. Yeah, not on the – But band, um, yeah. there's definitely – well, I don't even know why I brought it up just because they both have guitars maybe, but there's definitely a movement for more like the post-punk and minimal wave thing. Yeah, And I think that's where like maybe a lot of the industrial kids have kind of yeah. found their –
1: I mean, now it's good, right. and of course you have the resurgence and the comeback of the atonal festival, and everything like that has been increasingly improving, definitely. you know when I lived in um in Kotti, I used to go to Festsal all the time. There would be good shows, then it burned down
0: yeah any but, any bands you saw in particular that really blew your socks off? Wow.
1: Yeah, but they would have like Earth and stuff like that play at festival, which is cool because they're pretty big bands and a lot of psychedelic old grandpas and stuff. It would be cool. But but um, yeah, Duff, I saw them. Really? <laughs> but, nice. Yeah, they're really big concerts, but yeah. they would be small kind of things that I wouldn't remember what they were, but they were good.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but that's always, that's always good for something. Yeah, you want to find I mean?
1: local artists and bands that are good and, uh, you know... A lot of times that would be simpler in Malmo than it would be here, and that's always been surprising. interesting. really, really vibrant music scene in Malmo, maybe because it's smaller, mm-hmm. you know you have uh, what do you have a quarter of a million people in the whole city, mm-hmm. but then you would end up knowing everybody in the music scene. Yeah, you have all of these kind of different projects going on and you know working left and right. Uh, yeah, here you know you kind of get if you're in the electronic scene here. And you mentioned guitars. You know, people get, oh, really? You yeah. like that kind of stuff? It's like, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it, it's incredible, actually. Like when yeah. you when you talk to a lot of people right now, that like, let's say for the sake of this podcast, are in mm-hmm. the techno realm. Mm-hmm. A lot of them don't really seem to have uh, the deepest musical knowledge outside yeah. of that spectrum. Like you want to bring up like rock bands, or actually the hip hop yeah. guys seem to be pretty yeah, knowledgeable because yeah, they're, yeah, cool, totally. they're always. You know, reading up on shit and they're like, well, actually, yeah. this guy had beef with this guy in nineteen ninety four. I'm yeah. just like, dude, you're like an encyclopedia. Yeah, that's true. I but, run into that too. what do you say with the? But
1: maybe it's cor- correlating to the um, to the um,
0: what's on offer. Yeah, you know. I mean, so you know, you've been here for what twelve years now? Then?
1: Uh, no, uh, not even uh, coming uh, living on the tenth year. Tenth year, yeah. okay.
0: But I mean you, you kind of – a lot of people when they come to Berlin for the most part, they kind of – when you first get here, you do your party and you get yeah. it out of your system and you're not really like took, that guy anymore. It took anymore. about eight years for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, it's out of your system now. Yeah. But when you, when you do make it out, like uh, how do you feel about things currently? Um, how do you mean? I Actually, not even just in the Berlin sense but like the global sense. Like you think uh, – you know, the music's good as a whole, or the parties are good, or are you feeling jaded about it all? Or what's, oh, what's your for general me, like,
1: you mean uh, specifically in this town, you mean? Or or yeah. globally, yeah. or wherever yeah. you get to play. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I play less gigs than I did before. I don't play less gigs, but I play less gigs abroad than I used to do before. So now I would play a lot in Berlin. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm pretty happy about that, actually. Uh, and when it comes to my view on... Uh, and. Uh, experience of living here it's a kind of steady upward walk you know yeah i I really it sounded stupid in english but um yeah i'm i've never gotten jaded about living in this town very good choice and uh, i think i'm gonna stay that's cool and uh when it comes to you know i appreciate uh what's going on in the techno scene now much more than i did even two three four years ago okay I, I, that's I, what i was more y- curious yeah about yeah, yeah yeah i realized after a while well that would be uh definitely true in my experience excellent yeah. how do you feel about it
0: um <clears throat> i mean you know i come from the american background which you saw in the 2000s during Mm -hmm. your tour and totally different now oh big time i mean in a way it's totally different in other ways it isn't but for the most part like i never expected let's just say this specific genre of techno to be this big much less everything is bigger than ever now yeah and some of the people that i've had on the show for example like Derek basako and these guys they put it really right and they're like Mm -hmm. dude it was never this big. Like it was always a small group of people, or it was always, um, yeah. you know, this scale is just unfathomable. And we always kind of dreamed, like, that'd be great if, if this stuff was so not like mainstream in the commercial sense, but like accessible. Yeah, and it is. So I mean, I think it's really cool. Yep. I I have explained many times on this show how I'm uh, not super keen on the industry and a lot of the bullshit that comes <laughs> with it but i mean uh it hasn't really jaded me it's just kind of i prefer to let the the suits do their stuff and i'll do my stuff you know Yeah. yeah. and uh yeah i mean i is it sustainable no but all good things the, the most exciting things are never sustainable let's put it that no, way yeah, exactly.
1: so i wouldn't be one i wouldn't be the one to hope for like a general acceptance of techno or something like that i mean i i think it's pretty good to have a to have a scene uh, vibrant and small because mm-hmm. um when it isn't it, it tends to kind of break itself up and uh, maybe you know uh, in the states electronic music as a whole is super big right with big you know shows and everything but uh do you feel like uh, genuine techno is also more popular than it used to be before? More people know what it is or
0: I mean, here's the deal, you know, when when techno had its really its yeah. last boom like let's say the late 90s early 2000s. Yeah. I was getting into it. I didn't know it as much as I do now obviously, but I was just I thought everything was awesome cuz I was excited. Mm-hmm. So it seemed to me like it was pretty big then and of course when i'm on the road i hear stories of all this stuff and i've been traveling in europe for quite a while yeah but from my perspective it seems bigger than ever maybe even so more than the late 90s and early 2000s yeah i mean i hear these stories like talk people like even in belgium they'd be like oh there was 20 parties a weekend and blah 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 and yeah well i don't know whether it's true or not but i'm it's really hard for me to believe and how good were they at the time if Mm. you know um
1: uh, yeah, But I, I think that there were definitely more bigger techno events around Europe 10 years ago. No, yeah, 10, 15 years ago, there was yeah. this massive boom. And uh, now it's just kind of mixed up. People, would have, people were more fascists when it comes to music before. Mm-hmm. I think that they were, at least. And now people are a little bit more open to different kind of genres and stuff. Yeah. I don't necessarily know where I'm going with that. but But I think in general... The parties now are less specified what they actually are.
0: Hmm. You know, I mean it's true, but at the same time, I think you would have more, more, more
1: one-off man. parties and stuff before. You know, you would have yeah. like this kind of uh, one event that would be reoccurring, that would be a, only a house event or a techno- like a series of parties, yeah, exactly. And that like, doesn't really happen that much anymore.
0: You know, these kind of like, let's say, awakening started off like that, for yeah. example, and yeah. Um, you know, Cosmos and these things. So the, the bigger guys like that, those groups are still around, actually. Yeah. It's so but
1: great that they're still around after so many years. rave culture, basically. Yeah, exactly. But uh, I mean, that's Holland, too. Holland is, is crazy.
0: Yeah, it's still going Holland, on. Uh, yeah, I mean... You know, that's a thing, like... Uh, you you of course, could
1: live there and play throughout your Holland. whole career in your own country. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, from from where I'm from, that's just kind of outrageous yeah, prospect. totally. You know, like in, in
0: the states, you couldn't do that. If you're a stand-up comedian, you can live exclusively off of off of going through the states. Whereas yeah. in Holland, which is probably uh, smaller than New
1: York State,
0: yeah, I mean, you can get across the country in what two and a half three hours tops. Yeah, yeah. So basically, um, you can survive. Some people just get by. Some people that I can think about of the top of my head make an incredible amount of money mm-hmm. uh, just staying right in their own country. And then, but I mean, it was the same thing for Spain 15 years ago. Yeah. Whereas, you know, you have these people that were massive in Spain, but you never heard of them yeah. outside of, well, the borders. Yeah. So.
1: Mm. Well, it has to do a lot with the, you know, the, the demographics change. People get older, you know. The people that actually liked going out 10 years ago, they don't go out anymore.
0: Sure. I you mean,. Know, so. I really think it's almost like a three or four year cycle, like you yeah. were saying earlier. I mean, yeah. you kind of get somebody in their earlier mid-twenties, they uh, make all the best and worst decisions at the same time, and then they're like, right, that was fun, I'm yeah, moving yeah. on. And then there's a couple of us that slip through the cracks and we're in it for life. Yeah. You know, and- you know
1: you'd meet a guy that, or a girl that used to go to the Panorama bar with, like three years ago, and you met them oh, like, even longer, like you know, seven years ago, mm-hmm. you're like, yeah still go there every day. Like, yeah, that's cool. Me too. But then some other ones, I, I don't know where I'm going with that.
0: No. Well, it. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing. There's some that you're like, well, maybe you shouldn't go there so often, mm-hmm. but then there are other people. But
1: I, I remember that I still do as well. <laughs> that's yeah. What I, yeah. Stopped I, it. I can't judge anybody. Yeah, I'm but am painting um, myself into a corner.
0: But then there's the people <laughs> who, you know, that they used to go out a lot back yeah. in the day. And then they're like, what's up, man? do you want to go out? or You don't go anymore? They're like, Oh no, you know I'm I'm trying to take it easy, mm-hmm. you know, and they're very like just kind of evading the question, like you know I'm just it's not what I'm doing, and then you realize it's they're protecting themselves from themselves. Like if they flip the switch, it's like yeah, blackout city yeah, yeah, and drama. Sure. <laughs> and they, they're their own worst enemies. so they're like yeah, totally. Those are the people to watch out for, the ones yeah. that know their trouble and they stay out of the way. If they <laughs> yeah. tell you no, if respect you stay, their wishes. <laughs> if you
1: stay a hundred percent out of trouble, then you're fucking trouble. Yeah, I mean,
0: that's uh, they're the craziest ones in the room at that that's point. That's for sure, yeah. Just like, you know, in the mosh pits, the most dangerous guy there is the guy with the cigarette. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, speaking of rock and roll, I got, you know, some questions came in. Someone mm-hmm. wanted to know what your favorite uh, uh, Kaya song is. Oh, well, I mean, uh, Derek plus Laker would be happy,
1: happy as hell if I said Demon Cleaner, but... Uh, um, I'm not gonna say demon cleaners. I'll, I'll say, uh, you know,
0: I don't know. This is riveting radio right here. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> one inch man. I that's the thing. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Josh Holmes is an interesting dude. You know, like yeah, for those who totally. don't know, so he, you know him from—he's the guy behind Queens of the Stone Age, basically. Uh, and he had this band And he also did uh, The Desert Sessions so He was kind of like The ringleader for that mm-hmm. And I also really like The Desert Sessions But there was, there was a couple In particular That I really liked But mm-hmm. after a while There was so many of them That I don't really remember Which ones I like At this right. point I just sold uh, One of the Desert
1: Sessions On Discogs Oh yeah Because um, I mean I would never do that But I've listened to it Too many times And CD? it was really good quality So I could sell it For 80 bucks is that so, what it's going for yeah, i don't even need a 10 inch for 80 bucks take Holy it take shit. it <laughs> take which it, one man. was it it's like number four i think it is number four is it but orange it's, uh, or no yeah it's white marbled vinyl and it's it's got this kind of um really bad painted um um uh, what do you call it things that grow in the desert and tumbleweeds and stuff and a really Cactus. bad.
0: <laughs> i mean for those who don't know basically he would take a lot of um sometimes well-known musicians and others not so much they would go out to the joshua tree in the desert and get fucked up for days on end record sessions. and then record an album basically yeah. and some of them were really good and some of them uh they were all right mm-hmm. you know whatever mm-hmm. um it's kind of. Yeah. I, I really like that idea. I'm mean, not not even an advocate of like the whole drug use and making shit happen thing, but just yeah. like the idea that people kind of go out, they disappear for a while, get on the same wavelength, and then yeah, collaborate. Totally. Yeah, that's you, what you you'll need never to do. see that with uh, in our industry.
1: Yeah, but I mean, in you know, in a way, you do. I couldn't come up with like specific times that it happened with people. Like you know, when those two guys went in the mm-hmm. studio with a girl or whatever. But but I mean, uh, I, I think that. It does happen. You know, you, you go and you just kind of lose yourself and make something really cool and then you come back, whatever you found out. But you wouldn't, yeah, you wouldn't go out in the desert. That would be cool. Yeah. But I know some Chilean and Mexicans that do that. Yeah, well, I mean, I know there are people that do do it, but, yeah. Uh, oh, but, yeah. I mean, that whole thing, that was like the first stone rock that I've heard when I was a teenager. And then after that, I got really into, a, you know, a Electric Wizard and stuff like that. And that's just... Such a big influence still now. I was just, just going to say, movie. is that what you're still and, you still? And you know, now? Germans don't get that kind of music. They don't get it. I met so many Germans that talk about being into stone rock and uh, you know, kind of sludge yeah. and fast rock and whatever. And then they would play play something that they like. Okay, maybe they like Kaius, but they don't know why they like KISS because they like like metal hard rock kind of stuff.
0: Yeah,
1: which is fine, but it's not the same.
0: yeah i mean that's a thing like uh and you know for a lot of bands for example like just because it has a guitar doesn't make all rock the same there's like a it's such a wide spectrum i I try to explain this to like my Mm -hmm. dad especially Mm -hmm. what kind of music does he like rock wise well he's into like reo speedwagon all the classic shit Mm -hmm. um but uh you know, he's like, Well, do you have any gigs in Vegas coming up? I'm like, No. I've done the Vegas thing before. Yeah. Uh it was a nice paid for vacation. Yeah. Um so it was cool, but like I'm not a Vegas act obviously. And I, I'm trying to explain to him that like just because there's Let's say drum machines, yeah. in e d m or techno, or they're both done on the computer or danceable. <laughs> yeah. it doesn't make them in the same realm it's it would that would be like comparing Metallica to Bob Dylan or something, yeah. or you know what I mean, just like it's two different worlds despite using the same tools, yeah, totally, and same uh, with rock, yeah yeah, i mean it's it's the thing is I feel like right now, and maybe I'm just not looking in the right places, but i've I haven't been really impressed with where rock is heading at the moment,
1: uh yeah, I mean um. I'm not that super updated, but I, uh, I like some newer stuff like Soft Moon. And uh, I mean, not that new, even, but you know, Place to Bury Strangers and stuff like yeah. that. I'm into it, but I'm not completely updated because I don't have Spotify. Just kidding. I don't buy that many rock records on vinyl anymore. Mm-hmm. I tend to buy only techno because I, I uh, spend all my money on something that I might get a little bit of a return on. No. And my whole uh, wall was filled with these kind of, you know, rock records and ambient and uh, and uh, cult rock and stuff. And then um, I decided that uh, I'm gonna spend my money on on like techno records. Yeah, because no. you end up playing them in the weekend and uh, and you get
0: paid. <laughs> <laughs> True story. Yeah. But I mean it. And the thing is, like I, you know, at first for a while, I actually. Actually when I go out I've been to a few concerts here and I if there's a record uh, for sale in the booth I was trying to pick up at the merch table. But I don't yeah, like go yeah. online and order shit. Oh yeah. That being said, I know they just remastered and re released uh the new suicide album. I've been meaning to pick oh, that up. Oh, cool. Like there's like a couple of classics that I, I wanna have around. Obviously, like most people for the most part. Well whatever but, you do pick don't pick up the like the second suicide album. Oh god, no. This <laughs> is horrible. <laughs> it's so bad man. But um so I mean, the thing is, is like a lot of those times, like a lot of people will buy either rock or hip, like you know, Urban Outfitters sells the classic albums now or new oh, yeah. shit. And How I'm like, do you feel about that? <laughs> I mean, you know what? It's, it doesn't as long as people are buying music of whatever it is. Yeah, that's cool. I you know, I have, but an, it looks so good
1: next to the to the to the well, to the 30, kids year it, old cap. You know. Yeah,
0: <laughs> and the thing is, is it's like uh, nobody gives a fuck about your record collection when when they come over to your house you yeah. know? like there's gonna be one guy that's like oh my god Patrick you got yeah, yeah. this this Kais record yeah. or whatever like I'm pretty happy the- for example I mean I, I've got
1: my uh, like old Tanois I uh, like uh, you know I listen to music at home in the living room people would come over like oh wow such a dorky stereo dude <laughs> <laughs> what, such a dorky stereo well I mean okay it, it's a bit bigger than a uh, laptop <laughs> 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 but it's good. <laughs> I want it to be like that.
0: I miss the old, like, <laughs> uh, I think I brought it up ages ago on the show here, like, you know, like when your parents had, or, your, you yeah. know, more, it, you know, not the whole sexist thing, but it used to be the dads had the stereo yeah, at yeah. the house with the speakers yeah, and shit. Yeah. Mine, are, yeah. my, my, my dad had that too, and it's like, you mm-hmm. don't have that anymore. You have, like, the little Bluetooth speakers and shit. Yeah. And honestly, those probably sound better, but, mm-hmm. like, there's nothing like having a... Badass classic amp that yeah, weighs yeah. this... You need a you big know, amp, yeah. And stuff like that. And mm-hmm. So not to say that you shouldn't buy records that aren't dance music records. It's just some people go really crazy with buying that stuff. And you have mm-hmm. to remind yourself, as long as you're doing it solely for you, cool. Yeah. But if you want to impress people, nobody's going to look, really. No, no.
1: I mean... It would be, I, I really want to more. It's just like, you have to kind of divide your time up nowadays. Like, uh, it, it's really, yeah, it's about that too. Like uh, if I go to the record shop, yeah, I go to Space Hall and then I want to buy, I'll spend, you know, a few hours getting some techno records and stuff. And then you see that kind of SPK, four quadruple thing on the way out. Mm-hmm. no. Because I just spent 100 on yeah. on techno vinyl. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you want it. <laughs> then, uh,
0: that's a cool shop, though, for getting all kinds of other yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, totally and, good. Like, Recommend. I think, uh, you know, like you said, you go there intending to buy your little dance stuff because that's what you're going to do for DJing. And, mm-hmm. like, last time I was in there, I bought, I think, something from Beak. But the last uh,
1: time we were in there, I don't know if you went to Oh, yeah, after, that was the last <laughs> time. That, <laughs> that, was, that the, was Definitely no records going on. The infrastructure party. Yeah, yeah, very, yeah
0: we went into that. Uh, Show.
1: Blackened uh, Club
0: of Doom. I wonder how many days it took for that place to air out. 10 days. <laughs> yeah, smoking
1: in the record shop. Wow. And uh, partying. Yeah,
0: only in <laughs> Berlin.
1: Yeah, full on disco lights.
0: Yeah. But I mean, like, also a, a legendary lineup that would cost uh, 100 bucks anywhere else. Yep. I think it was free, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe so.
1: 75 this time.
0: Yeah, seventy-five bucks only. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Oh, Discounted. <laughs>
0: but um, let's see. I'm getting towards the end of my notes and questions here. Uh, Anthony wants to know if you could eat seventy hot dogs in ten minutes.
1: Seventy uh, hot dogs. Yeah, I can definitely not do that because uh, I I stopped eating meat for the more part, and I hate hot dogs. <laughs> and they're probably the worst kind of shit that you can eat anyway because you're going to get bowel cancer or whatever
0: well if you eat more than 12 a month which some people do
1: if you you sink all of those in one sitting uh, uh, not a good idea
0: I I stopped uh, meat a year and a half ago as well yeah Uh, you having
1: any any uh, slip
0: ups well, it wasn't a slip up. It's it was a conscious. I wanted well because oh I didn't. God, I wasn't man. like I'm done with meat. First, yeah. it was I'm going to try it for a month. Yeah, yeah. Then it was let's go three months, and yeah. then after that, I realized it's totally easy. Yeah, and not yeah. only that, but like, and I, I don't get me wrong. I love meat. I yeah. eat it four meals a day. Yeah, but um, it's the whole animal cruelty thing. That's all. Yeah, and um, but then I just kept going with it. And last summer, when I went to the states, because the food's just so goddamn good there. Yeah, um i was like you know what i'm gonna try just a little a couple bits that i used to like and just see what it is some of it i don't miss at all mm-hmm. uh some of it still tastes better than ever uh, um you know i went to houston and they, i had some a bite of a beef brisket there and it was yeah. so incredible yeah i mean anything um,
1: made with love you
0: know long totally but then you know for the most part i i don't do anything crazy um However, I'm going to Buenos Aires in a week, and I might have a steak out there. <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: Maybe a steak at the D.D. D. Dinner. Man.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and then, I mean, I don't know. Actually, with beef, it's really not as uh, full of bacteria and stuff as people think. You know, you're definitely going to have more problems with uh, birds and whatnot. So I don't think I'll really get sick. But who knows? Like, there's you know, last summer – the first time I was really gonna try meat, I was gonna have some meat on a pizza, yeah. and I stared at it for like literally probably an hour because we were yeah. it was just outside, and I'm like, it was I w- it wasn't so much that I was turned off by the meat; I really wanted it. But yeah, I was yeah. like, it was the first time that I really convinced myself to stick with something. Yeah, Because yeah. I'm always just like, fuck it, it doesn't matter. Yeah, you know? I know. So I
1: mean, it's all the, the kind of you know the sediment that uh, that you. um don't contribute to the world but i mean guess what we all do and whatever i can do to just kind of balance things out a little bit on on my end why not you know i, I had so much meat my whole life and Same. and i would be a little bit worried about it maybe especially when you're walking around town and stuff there wouldn't be anything on offer right mm-hmm. uh, what can you find you can find like you know white bread filled with meat that's what you can find like in the public space yeah. So I would be a little bit worried about it. But once you just start cooking a little bit more for yourself instead, yeah. you know, that's the kind of solution. And yeah, you're you, a big you, cooker, you. aren't you? Yeah, I'm kind of a big cooker, actually. What, what are you, what because kind of my girlfriend doesn't like cook, cook so lot. I have to cook everything. Yeah, <laughs> I thought she did cook. That's why I got together with
0: her. <laughs> but <laughs> and then she didn't. You were wrong. <laughs> yeah, totally wrong. Yeah, yeah I mean, I... Um Actually, this this is back when I was living in the States. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I definitely was the one that was the cooker. She was the baker. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, which, you know, I love baked goods, so that was a good trade-off. Yeah. Um, the problem was a lot of my cooking revolved around meat and stuff like that, so I've definitely had to – oh, <laughs> who's calling you? I do know. But, uh, yeah, so since going vegetarian, I've really had to kind of uh, not relearn cooking but start changing the uh, – the definition of of what I should be saying as a meal, for yeah, example. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh I'll tell you what, like in the I don't know what it was like in Sweden, but like in the States, especially in Midwest growing up, vegetables were fucking terrible. Because it's just mm-hmm. steamed vegetables. It's like you got your broccoli, your corn, and your yeah. cauliflower. And when you just steam it and put a little mm-hmm. salt on it, maybe a little butter, it tastes like shit. There's nothing there to yeah. it. But when you actually properly make this stuff, mm-hmm. it's so damn good. Yeah, of course. You know what I mean? And, yeah. uh, and you know, there, there's nothing that you can't
1: get by doing. You you just get You get full. You figure out nice things to eat. Like, there's no problem. You know, you don't miss it. Like you said, you know, if you have it like a, you go to a really fantastic American barbecue place, like a Southern Barbecue, whatever. It's really good. Yeah. And. Probably, if it's even better placed, and you know, the pig was probably quite happy until he died. Yeah, well, <laughs> and, then, mean, and then you know, it's it totally better than going to buy this kind of yeah. you know three euro piece of shit from Lidl that you know. That, that's just it. Of I kind of
0: do. I don't need to know where it's coming from, but I kind of want to know that like it wasn't fucked up conditions and stuff yeah. like that. And uh, I, you know, so I'm not. Uh, I
1: worry, you know, more about the environment, too. Cause like, I, I think,
0: yeah. did you hear about the uh, the Memphis Meats Company? M- no. They're this company from Memphis mm-hmm. um, who uh, they've actually successfully completely recreated from the DNA le- level beef uh, oh, uh, in, the, in the Oh, I've seen Maybe it's the same. It's, it's like the one video. Yeah. The problem is I think it's something like… Uh, 200 bucks a pound or something. Oh, yeah, okay. the costs are really high right now oh, yeah. but basically um it's beef that you can't even tell the difference but you uh, mean
1: that it's uh, grown
0: from a vegetable uh, plant part uh, yeah i don't remember exactly how okay. it's done All there's right. a video online go uh, ahead and uh, yeah. google it maybe i'll throw it in the notes for the show here yeah and um i mean long story short it's basically the same thing except they don't have to kill the animal and like you can actually decide whether you want it to be fatty or not there's no uh, antibiotics in it to make it grow quicker so it's actually a healthier cut but it still tastes the same then why not yeah and i'm like well i'll eat that shit all day you know i don't i'm not worried about the health concerns because i'm aside from all the sugary bullshit i eat i eat fairly healthy these days anyway so Uh, I mean, there's uh, one company I saw also. Like maybe it's the same. They they
1: they grow. Uh, I mean, they they do design a kind of meat out of uh, vegetable matter that mm-hmm. that just with the secret ingredient of uh, like a plant version of hemoglobin. Oh yeah, yeah, I saw yeah, that one yeah, too. Yeah, that and,
0: and, that gives it more of the taste, but yeah, it's exactly. it's not actually the meat. Whereas oh, yeah. this is like 100 percent like cattle meat. Oh beef. wow, wow. Uh, whereas the yeah, other crazy. stuff has a taste. Either of those, I would yeah, take. Yeah, develop you know? that shit. You know, give that to people. I'll eat it. Yeah, perfect. No problem. You know, I mean, uh, for me, it's, I, especially moving to to Europe, you you get to eat a lot of other different crazier shit. That because uh, in the in the states it's all about cheeseburgers and steaks. Hey, man, mm-hmm. cheeseburgers are one of my favorite foods ever. Mm-hmm. But like, once you start experimenting with these other spices and herbs that are like mm-hmm. say from the Middle East or even Turkish or whatever. Yeah damn it's good yeah so, yeah
1: very good yeah I mean uh, when, when you talked about like uh, you know vegetable quality in the states and yeah su- Sweden and stuff I mean it, it kind of has to do with w- w- what did your parents do when you grew up you know like how did they sure. look at it like my parents would put like you know one slice of a tomato on the side you know a plate and that yeah. and, oh now you got your greens you know <laughs> exactly like, they don't like it and you don't like it and you get this kind of That's that's just it.
0: Everybody's got really fucked up eating habits. Yeah, for sure. um, I mean, this show isn't really about uh, judging people, so to speak. So, but it's about food. (laughs) It's now about food, apparently. So, what do you? What is it like? uh, Do you have a certain style or cuisine that you like to cook? No,
1: No, not really. No. No, I mean, I, I like everything.
0: Like, some people are like, oh, I like to really work on Thai food or Italian or yeah. whatever. You're just like, fuck no. it. If it looks good, I'll try it.
1: No, I mean, I got really interested in Chinese food like five years ago. And then I, I kind of really looked in deeper to that and tried to go to authentic restaurants. and uh, then, Good uh, luck in Berlin. I don't know. There are actually quite a few good ones, actually. Chinese? Uh, but, but, I like But not uh, so much in Kreuzberg. Yeah. There's even a good
0: lean or whatever mm-hmm. I like uh, Which quite one? a bit is it Dajilin or Oh, I don't know. Dajilin. I don't remember, uh, but that
1: uh but well, mostly around uh you know, in Charlottenburg, there like, there's a, such a big Asian comu- community there. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of like really nice restaurants. But but even even Thai and and the Vietnamese are also different than most of the kind of standard Vietnamese that you get all around Kreuzberg and Mitte. There would be nicer places in Charlottenburg. Yeah. Go to Charlottenburg.
0: There's a lot of good stuff out there.
1: Yeah, you know? I mean, yeah, that such and a nice city and all
0: that. Because it, like, what people don't realize is people are like, what the hell are these guys talking about? These are the more western suburbs of Berlin, and historically, but, the West was a bit more free, so they've, they're a little bit ahead of the curve as far as economic prosperity and open and try new shit and, and uh, immigration. Yeah,
1: there would be um, a lot of you know third generation. Whereas in, um, well, you're in the West
0: right now. Yeah, yeah. Technically, but were everybody you, refers to this. You, as you're the happy East. here. Are we there? Yeah. Okay. I don't know if we lost a little bit of that or not. Oh. I'll find out in the post thing. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, yeah, people think they refer to this as the East always, but it's usually not. So yeah. I can,
1: uh, no, yeah, the, the wall would go a little bit crooked throughout the city,
0: and Kreuzberg would be in West Berlin. Yeah. Anyway, we're coming up on, well, we're over an hour now, so we'll wrap it up pretty shortly here. Cool. One thing I forgot to mention before we got a little crazy mm-hmm. is you actually have a new label. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we got off on a tangent about rock and roll and food. Yeah, rock and roll and food. And I started a label
1: about, uh, yeah, maybe. Uh, two years ago i think at the time i'm a bit confused today but i think two years ago i started a label called sample and hold and um, i I did three vinyl releases so far and uh, coincidentally this week i'm starting a digital offshoot of that called discrete data there you go uh, that would be out at the end of this month actually with a new release from me, and then the plan is to do the digital releases quite often. In a way that I can't really do the vinyl that often, but yeah, up to three on the vinyl and.
0: Um, What's the deal data. there? Are, are you gonna have like newer acts or friends or both or?
1: Yeah, but newer. Yeah, newer acts. I don't know, but I've been getting kind of a steady stream of really nice demos, actually, mm-hmm. and this is kind of an attempt to to get some of that stuff out two uh and yeah there will be a lot of good stuff coming from okay. friends as well yeah it seems like uh i and mean there th- won't be really that uh, much distinction between the two they're yeah. uh, they're dance floor techno on the harder side of things
0: yeah i would say leaning <clears throat> more towards like native diffusion than oh yeah, um, I guess, oh yeah i guess maybe yeah than we are for example mm-hmm. so mm-hmm um
1: i sent you the the, the one actually before. i did yeah. and
0: i only got to skim through it but it's really cool stuff i got to listen further to actually give you feedback beyond that in detail but no it's, it's nice cool. and uh cool when yeah. is that coming for those who don't have the promo
1: that should be out in uh two weeks
0: Okay, the, so the, soon.
1: The digital one is out in two weeks, uh, just doing is promo Is that going to be on
0: all the sites or something specific?
1: That would be uh, throughout everything except for Spotify, I guess. Okay. You know, the old usual Beatport, iTunes,
0: all that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, anything else coming up, like podcasts or dates you want to plug? I've uh,
1: got one of these invite podcasts, but not... Just yet, another two months before that one.
0: Okay, so it'll be a while. Yeah. So after the summer look out for a podcast from him about that. Um anything else you want to throw out there before we wrap it up?
1: Yeah, I think that's good. I think that's good.
0: All right, man. Well thanks for coming by. Yeah. Have a good one and you too, uh, man.
1: Happy to be here and talk to you for a while.
0: Thanks to everybody for tuning in. Goodbye. Bye.